0: Ray, what what would you define as worldly traits that the Christian needs to be careful? I think the
1: the, the most subtle one is epitomized in Pilgrim's Progress, Mister Worldly Wise Man.
0: Mm.
1: He was from the uh, village of Carnality, and he spoke against what evangelist preached to Christian, and he urged him to go to the I think the Hill of Legality to get rid of his burden. And that's what the world says: don't don't go to the cross, don't listen to the gospel. You can fix things up yourself. And that's the subtlety. That's the philosophy of of this world, which is against the things of God.
0: While you, English-speaking blokes over here in the colonized world, were learning tongue twisters like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, I, the humble Arab cherub living in Lebanon, was learning this one. Literally translated into English. My grandma and your grandma are in the bathroom. My grandma hit your grandma. Can your grandma hit my grandma? Like my grandma hit your grandma. In Is that the bathroom? real? Yes. <laughs> wow. See what I was tormented by as a little kid? It all makes sense now. Ray, what's your favorite tongue twister?
1: Um, the one about the six sleek sheep sick
0: <laughs> You Remember that one? Well, the the, the the
1: the six sheep six sleek sheep sick. That's apparently the hardest <laughs> oh, one to do. I love that one. Yeah,
0: it's just slobber. You know what? The probably the hardest one for me, but that's the simplest is toy boat.
1: Yeah, you're all right till about the sixth toy time boat. And you start,
0: Oscar, six times. Wait, toy boat. Can you guys hear that?
2: I think I can hear our ratings go down. Toy boat. Toy boat.
0: Toy boat. Toy boat. Toy boat. Toy boat. I was it, doing it right. Too slow. Too slow. Too slow. Too slow. Toy boat. Toy boat. Toy boat. Toy boat, toy boat. <laughs> I can't. Okay, check this one out, guys. This one. Uh, this one's good. Betty Botter. Do you know that one? Yeah,
1: Betty Botter bought a bit butter. Betty Botter. <laughs> That's the one we used to love the spider on. And Betty I'm, Botter had be some you. butter,
0: but yeah. she said this butter is bitter. If I bake this bitter butter, it would make my bed. <laughs> Forget it. Tongue twisters are crazy. Betty, I hate them. Betty Butter was a Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> wait, it couldn't have been... Wait, you had something like that in New Zealand. Couldn't it be Buddha? Butter? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, margarine,
1: is it? I can't believe it's not Buddha. That's what the <laughs> Buddhist will say on Judgment Day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Ray, chicken coop, chicken coop. Friends, you have to understand, Ray Comfort, he would, write this very second... Cancel the podcast. Absolutely, to go finish expanding. Ray, there's no more place. What are you doing? I'm serious. I'm trying to figure out in my mind where are you expanding. You're already like five thousand. How foot
2: many? Chicken. Hold on. How many chickens do you have right now? About twenty-two or something. And how square footage of your chicken coop? I'm not sure of the square footage. I um, but they um, it's massive. Yeah, it's it's huge.
1: But I talked soon to getting rid of that garden. No, I did. It's a huge, beautiful portion of the garden <laughs> and a big apple tree. Oh no yes the apple tree's gone
0: why would you do that
1: because we needed room for, <laughs> for the chicken, chicken coop coop's and phoenix just delivered what i was expecting to make the coop I was, and it's
2: not going to be wood it's going to be wire with a frame and we're going to go over there thing. one day and their bedroom's going to be inside the chicken
0: coop no it wouldn't shock <laughs> chickens until in the, the least bedroom. Bit. ray why would you get rid of a beautiful gorgeous apple tree that gives you apples
1: well, we tried to move it, but the pot that was in the roots had grown into the soil, and we tried to move it, but it didn't move. So we just said it's going to heaven. So it died.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the poor apple tree died.
1: <laughs> and it was a fruit bearer too. Are really? you getting more chickens then? God willing.
2: How many do you want?
1: Uh, yeah, it's not how many I want. It's how many am I allowed?
2: How many are you allowed? <laughs>
1: yeah, not allowed a speci- You know, got to have a specific amount in our city.
3: Why did you look into it? A hundred? He didn't. No,
1: I don't want to look into it. <laughs> he want want to into it right into now it. for you. To no, get don't him. you dare! <laughs> <laughs> Ray, hit me again. Anyway, He's FedEx in. have delivered, and I just can't wait to
0: get home. But tell us why, though, Ray? Why? Why do you want? Do you want more eggs? You want? Well,
1: some ask why. I say, why, why not? not?
0: Yeah. Do you have them all named? No, we'd
1: never name our chicken. Yes, he did Oh, that's finger right licking. Finger licking uh, and Spicy you know. Yes, that's right If they ever Original. get sick, what do you do with your chickens? It just, um, <laughs> we isolate them because <laughs> the other chickens pick on them He hires a chicken So hand the hand. other chickens all attack sure. a chicken And you gave me a chicken that was wicked <laughs> that's That was it. Betty it was
2: possessed What had to Betty. Our, a Betty We Evil gave it back, didn't we? No Well, you... we threw
1: over. Mark threw a <laughs> fence into a farmer's <laughs> yard That's
2: what it was and
1: Betty and she took over the
2: whole farm.
0: Betty, yeah, well, demonic she, chicken. Well,
1: Betty, she liked. She was evil. She wanted a bit of butter.
0: That Betty chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, chickens, Ray. That I'm, I'm sorry, but that's wrong. You can You've got. They stop. make
1: eggs that we can give to people, and it's just a wonderful. I haven't ministry. had eggs
0: from you in a while. Well, I'll throw some. But <laughs> Ray, you know, you know that inevitably, if you don't stop, that thing's going to go into your garage. I've actually suggested can that you to suit, the entire garage? Oh, I know you would have suggested that. It's actually that, gone, gone it's up happen. to the. I
1: mentioned it the other night. I said, "Oh, we need a little door, and they can go in the garage and have lay eggs in there, a nice big <laughs> nesting area am the, the driveway. This, <laughs> yeah, you
0: are, it's insane, <laughs> insane, and loving it. All right, friends. Uh, on that note, this is very oh fitting. skunk.
1: I got to thank someone for sending me a
2: skunk. Oh, do you know who sent it?
1: I don't know. It came just straight directly from the skunk people. Do you love
2: it, Ray? The, it's, really, it's really cute. They are what adorable. was the context? We were talking about skunks We're talking about how podcast. I used to have
1: a realistic stuffed skunk that we'd put behind people when they were working at a computer and they'd look down and see a skunk by them and scream. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, so this, isn't, this is a toy skunk, but if anyone's got a live, not a life, a, a real skunk that's been stuffed, I would love that. Ray was
0: actually oh, sniffing no. that toy skunk earlier really, just to thought. make sure. But this is fitting, friends, in light of what we're talking about and Ray's Insanity with Building Chicken Coops. This podcast is brought to you by Banana Man. The true story. Get ready for this, friends. The longest subtitle, I think, in the history of the universe. The true story of how a demeaning nickname opened amazing doors for the gospel. (laughs) 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 Who came up with that subtitle?
1: We didn't know what to call the video. It was just crazy because we were going to call it Banana Man and Todd Friel, our wonderful friend, Long-standing friend yeah. said it sounds like someone from Jamaica, and it kind of <laughs> killed it. It just killed it as a, as a, as to get people to
2: watch it. Yeah. Is that the one when we went to DC? Yes, we, we, we got those to DC. interviews. Yes. Do you guys remember how I got backstage at the Reason Rally?
1: I forgot. I told you guys the story. That.
2: Remember that? Wait, you actually got backstage. I got right. on stage backstage. I didn't even hear about this. did so I was we okay. So context: we went to Washington D.C. They were, they were having a Reason Rally, which was supposed to be they positioned it as like 5,000 atheists something like that right oh it was 12 12,000 okay so we go to DC we're out there on the lawn we're hanging out tracks and I'm walking by the stage and I hear Oscar and I look over it's a friend of mine that I had when I was an atheist and I walk on over there and I'm like hey how's it going he's like I was like he's like oh I'm I'm working this event here come back here and he gets me backstage and he gives me a media <laughs> pass and now I'm standing up there. I can't remember who the speakers were, but I remember being five feet away from one of them, and I can see the microphone. There's somebody up there talking, and he's like, "So he's all excited to see me because we haven't seen each other since we were probably 21." He's like, "Man, who'd you come here with?" <laughs> and I go, "Rick Comfort." <laughs> no. And he's like, "What?" He didn't know I was a Christian. No way. So I shared the gospel <laughs> and my oh, testimony wow. with him after he gave me the media badge. Oh man! So he we was shocked. Off the stage? He no. He let he left me alone, but he was just so shocked
0: and, and disappointed. I think the police
1: uh, told me I had to, I had to leave that rally. They came up. And did he, they really? You know, and they well, they stopped
0: up. us from yes. giving out all those subway cards. Yes. Yeah, we took so many subway cards to give away for free. like that? a kind act. Why in the world would they stop that? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was uh, that's when you met Pendulette.
3: That's right. Or his no, nays. That's when he oh, met
0: his nays. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was a phenomenal trip. was it, it? Was good it really was. And just the fact, I, I think the big thing with Pen is you had prayed for so long that you could get an opportunity to speak to him. We thought that you were going to get that opportunity from your magician friend who knew him, didn't work. And then when we we're up there and you're interviewing Lawrence Krauss, you thought, as Penn was asking you questions, he'd sit down to do an interview with you. He wouldn't do it. And then we leave kind of discouraged. And then he walks out, comes right up to you. I think you spent 30 minutes sharing the gospel yeah, was, with him. It was just amazing. On the streets of And Eithy. it's in
1: the film The Fool on Fool. I can't even say the word F O O L. The Fool. On YouTube. The, the Fool. The Fool. Yeah. Check that, out The Fool. That's friend. me, not Penjollet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, today we are talking about how to avoid becoming worldly. How do you define worldliness?
1: Mark. I think it's the love of the world And the pleasures that are in the world I think that's scripture Adulterers and adulteresses Don't you know that friendship in the world Is enmity with God Whoever is a friend of the world Is an enemy of God And it's vanity fear Mark, you were asked I jumped in
0: We love to give things away. We love to give things away. And that's why we will do that every single day here on the Living Waters podcast. That's right, friends. We're giving away goodies for those of you who go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form. We are giving 10, believe it or not, 10 different people each week. Goodies from Living Waters, $100 value for each box. You'll get tracts and books and a podcast mug and all kinds of good things. So make sure to participate at livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. And make sure to listen to the very end of the podcast where you will hear the announcement of the winners every week.
3: No, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great answer, right? Friendship with the world is enmity. Uh, you're actively opposed, is what enmity actually means. Actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. So if you're a friend with the world, you're actively opposed to God. Think about that for a moment. We use the text, if you blaspheme, Scripture says that your enemies use your name in vain, O Lord. Or that's a bit of an epiphany that people may have at that moment. They say, well, no, I'd never be an enemy of God. No, if you blaspheme, you are an enemy of God. If you are actively pursuing things inside this world for which Christ died, well, then you are actively opposed to the will of God and the desire of God inside your life. Wow. Those are big, strong words. That's heavy Mark,
2: so, for clarity purposes, and I'm I'm just playing the angel's advocate because so I want to hear how you would, in a discipleship conversation, respond to this. Are you saying that I shouldn't? be a ambitious person in business that I can't have friends that are non-believers that I practically speaking, how does that flow? Yeah,
3: well, we are in the world and we are called to occupy until he comes. So there's nothing wrong with having a job, having a good pain job, right? We are to provide for our family. And if you don't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. Being in the world, and the cosmos is the word. Being inside the world is different than being of the world because we are not of the world. We are aliens and we're passing through this foreign land. So actively pursue the things that you can to provide for yourself and enjoy freely all things that God has given you. Enjoy the sunsets and uh, seafood and things of that nature, but realize that you are just passing through. Mm. That's good. Yeah, I think, go ahead. No.
2: No you heard the breath. no, <gasps> no I, I, but you do that, which means you have something important to say, no, you please, uh, I think that when we look to the Old Testament and we see Israel and exile to Babylon, we get a really good example of how we should live and how we should not live, because remember that Israel had their kingdom. They were sacked by Babylon, which was uh, God's wrath upon them for turning their backs on him. They were taken back into Babylon to live as exiles. And the book of Daniel describes a very interesting lifestyle. They were called to be good citizens of Babylon, to care for the needs of the people around them, to participate in culture. But they were also called to recognize that they were to be exiles Mm. because so often they would forget they got too comfortable they start they started to treat babylon as though it was their home and uh, dr daniel akin provides four ways that the babylonian empire assimilated the jewish exiles and i think that these four ways is exactly how we tend to assimilate into our culture as well the first thing he says is they assimilated through isolation They were isolated from their homeland, from their family, from their friends, and they became vulnerable. And so he points out that being in exile doesn't harm the Christian, not being with God's people harms the Christian. Hmm. In other words, for us, like if you think about the college student, what affects the college student isn't a new intellectual argument. More often than not, it's that that college student has walked away from the family of God, the church. The second way is through indoctrination. They wanted God's people to be experts in Babylonian language and philosophy and science and history. And I think our version of indoctrination is the world tells us to start thinking that faith is a private matter, not for the public square, that all religions are valid paths to discovery, that the purpose of life is to enjoy yourself or that you belong to yourself. Those are all indoctrinating themes that we have out there in the world that if we're not comfortable, we'll start to believe. And then two more very quickly, assimilation. He argues assimilation is the full immersion, the changing of one's mind that affects lifestyle, he says that the, the Jews started to eat, drink, and be like the Babylonians to enjoy the creaturely comforts of the world. And so here's his quote, the only way to resist the lure of assimilation to the world is to rest in the love and approval of God. Love mm-hmm. that. And then the last thing is confusion. The Babylonians wanted to change the names of God's people. Why did, he want to, why did the Babylonians wanna change the name? because your name in ancient history was a representation of who you were and who you belonged to. Hmm. To change your name was to change your identity. So think about like the Jews in World War II, when they were moved in the concentration camps, they were given what? Numbers, yeah. not names, because they wanted them to forget that they were people. Wow. They wanted them to think they were just products. And more often than not, that's what the world wants to do with us as well we are the the name that is written on our soul is the name of God. And the world wants us to forget that.
0: Wow. Yeah. You know, Oscar, as you mentioned the change of names and, and just the whole Babylonian captivity reminded me of Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, who we more commonly know as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Those were the pagan names that were given to them. And when Nebuchadnezzar enacted the Babylonian captivity, remember he wanted to take from the children of the nobles, bring them into into his court and transform them. They changed their names. They, they, they tried to change their language. They tried to change their education. They tried to change their diet. Right. And connected to that, and I think this is really the heart of it, pun intended, is that it says Daniel purposed in his heart, because he was a part of that, that group and was really the representative, that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. I mean, you think about that, you minimize it, food is like the bare necessity of life. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't get a choice. This is what they were giving them to eat and drink, but they were willing to take that risk. And they ate, you know vegetables, drank water and, and God bless that. And then we saw when the big trial came and then they were called to worship like the Babylonians to bow before Nebuchadnezzar's statue, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. They stood strong and, and, and wouldn't compromise. You know?
1: I think it's relevant that Jesus said, rem- remember Lot's wife. Ooh. She epitomizes worldliness. Her heart was in Sodom yeah. and, and we're called to, to leave the Sodom of this world because it's an abomination to God, it's condemned.
0: Ray, what, what would you define as worldly traits that the Christian needs to be careful? I think of? The,
1: the, the most subtle one is epitomized in Pilgrim's Progress, Mr. Worldly Wise Man. Mm. He was from the uh, village of carnality and he spoke against what evangelists preached to Christian. And he urged him to go to the, I think the hill of legality to get rid of his burden. And that's okay. what the world says. Don't, don't go to the cross. Don't listen to the gospel. You can fix things up yourself. And that's the subtlety. That's the philosophy of, the, of this world, which is against the things of God.
3: Wow.
0: And Colossians talks about that, right? Don't be, let anyone take you captive by worldly and empty deceit, you know, which isn't according to the world, but according to Christ. And this whole, principle of being in the world but not of it i mean this comes from what christ taught john 15 19 if you were of the world the world would love its own yet because you are not of the world but i chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you and then john 17 14 to 15 i've given you i've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as i'm not of the world but then he says this i do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. That's good. So that's the whole principle of, look, we are, we're in the world. We're not to be like the monks of old, where we recluse. They had pretty cool outfits though. They did have cool outfits. I <laughs> they oh, I love it. By I the way, the do you guys on. know, I was dressed like St. Anthony for the first full year of my life? Why? I wore nothing but a monk, Saint Is Anthony monk robe. Yeah, my mom, my mom made a vow that if God gave her a son, because she had my brother and then three girls, and she wanted another son, so she made a vow. Yeah, that's what Catholics.
3: So do. she was disappointed, and then and
0: put on. <laughs> <laughs> she, so she made a vow, if God gave her a son, she would dress him like like Saint Anthony. For a whole year. So for a whole year I wore nothing but a brown robe with a white white like a rope around wow. my waist. Any pictures? Yeah. We do I have a picture of me when I was being baptized wearing it. Why
3: you no be baptized? Why well, you have not yet been baptized. Because you believe in science.
0: Yeah. But yeah, my, my one of my sisters did that vow with her son. Didn't a razor didn't touch his hair for five years. So my nephew had like hair <laughs> Down, down the My
1: mother made me. a vow that
0: soap wouldn't come near me <laughs> We know And you kept, <laughs> you kept that vow, Ray, to this day But Yeah, where was I going with that?
3: We don't know. We never really
0: know. You were about to give
2: me a raise. Yeah.
0: I
1: have no idea what I was saying. So what is the word? Where does the word monk come from? It's monk? Monkey. Monk. Monk. That's what I was, I didn't hey, like
2: hey, to the, the monks. Head, <laughs> that's what you were going to
3: say. You
2: were going to make the point that it's not calling us to be
0: like the monks. <laughs> oh yes. Thank you, Oscar. You're the only one. Listening, yeah. Apparently. Uh, Somebody not, does
3: pay attention. We're,
0: when we're, uh, we're not called to become recluses and, and will retreat from the world. We're to be in the midst of it. We're to be the salt and the light of the world. But the aim is, and this is, this is what I want you guys to give some practical input on. The aim is to follow what James one twenty seven says, which is this, pure and undefiled religions before God and the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world.
1: So the word monk, etymology, <laughs> comes from, <laughs> I don't know, I, uh, we're talking about selfishness. It comes from the word, Greek word meaning
2: solitary, which is what you're saying. Ah. Huh. Oh, there you go. Now we know. You make a really good point because also we just talked about Daniel. Here's something that's so fascinating about the book of Daniel that it's about being in exile while in Babylon. And yet in another section of Daniel, when it gives us a glimpse of heaven, it describes instruments and food that's in heaven. And one of the instruments that is mentioned in heaven is a distinctly Babylonian instrument. Isn't that fascinating? Because he's telling them to not adopt the cultural ways. What does that tell us? It tells us that there are certain aspects, and this is Don Carson's point in Christ and Culture Revisited. There are certain aspects of culture that are rejectable, and there are other aspects of culture that are redeemable. And we, as Christians, what we ought to be to be in the world, not of the world, is to understand, to be able to analyze culture, to be able to see how God wants to redeem aspects of culture that are beautiful, while also rejecting the things that are not redeemable. And I think... I talked about this recently in a, in the Ambassadors Academy. I think the Apostle Paul does this perfectly well, where he goes in and he analyzes, he understanding the longings of the cultural desires that are there, and so he preaches the gospel using Old Testament poets to the Jews, and then he preaches the gospel using their own poets to the Greco Roman world. See, he redeemed an aspect; he redeemed a a poetic phrase in order to point to the glory of Christ, that is how I think redeeming to not be a monk, to be in, in the world, but not of the world. I think that's a a, a wonderful example of how we can use it to proclaim God's goodness.
0: Yeah. And guys, we have to remember that worldliness disgusts the Lord. I mean, that's, that's the main motivating factor for why we should loathe it ourselves and seek to avoid it at all costs. I mean, it's disgusting to God. I mean, so much so that first John two tells us, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. And we have to remember the temporal nature of the world that we often treat as though it were eternal. You know, we've talked time and again, how actions speak priority. And by the way that we react, and respond, and by the way, we invest our time and our heart and our energy into some of the things in the world, we give the impression that this is prime and all that matters and it's gonna last forever. But he went mm-hmm. on to say in first, John, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but of the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it. And so, you know, we have to, we have to remember that and, and allow ourselves to to be impacted through it. I was thinking of Jude 23. Sorry to butt in easy. Well, I'm not really. If I was sorry, I wouldn't
1: have butted <laughs> in. Um, others having compassion, making a difference, pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment spotted Ooh, by the flesh. Yeah. That's speaking of this filthy, leprous, sin-world, sin-loving world, to even pull our hands back and hate the garment from the world because we're called to be holy. That's not a self-righteous thing. It's just something we're called to be. Just stay apart from the world. Don't get the leprous disease of sin. Yeah.
0: Mark, you ever do you ever get disgusted by the Our world? Podcast, your
3: dad joked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not to those, of course. No, I, I just I want to say the yeah, other.
3: It's a it's a different relationship, right? I mean, I get disgusted and I'm enamored all at the same time. I'm enamored with fireworks, and I ditto somebody holding a firecracker. I want to see it thrown from them, but I also want to see it explode in their hand, right? I mean, it's like wow. I have a constant YouTube video going on inside my head of, of things like that. So there's a fight. There's a fight of the flesh and the spirit that are continually at war inside my mind. I, I think that, and, I, and I've shared this often uh, with my kids, the amount of scripture that I that I do know and that I do share is birth from a fact that I, I'm, I'm afraid of, for lack of better words, I'm afraid of falling trapped to the enemy and digging my uh, roots here on the earth and becoming accustomed to the things that Christ died for, and that scares me. It scares me when I entertain the things of the world for entertainment. It scares me that I will continue to watch a movie, and there might be a blasphemous word, or there might be something that goes too far. I, inside my house, if there's a uh, a homosexual reference inside of a movie, it's off. It's I don't, I don't even I don't want to be a part of it. No, turn it off. I don't want it inside the house. Yeah. But it scares me that. I might be following along with a great plot and I'm down to the last 10 minutes of a movie and something like that happens. And I go, well, let me just, let me see how it ends. Hmm. You know, let, let, me, let me see what happens here. I, I don't want to live my life in such a way that Christ would be, uh, that I would be embarrassed if Christ were to come in or walk inside the door
0: yeah. at,
3: at that moment. So there's a continual cry of my heart. God, do what you need to do to set me apart for a holy work and that I might enjoy you during my short journey Hmm. down here on earth. Amen, short. For sure. Short, right? So,
1: um, Mark, I, to- I totally identify what, what you were saying before. I was thinking of Jeremiah 9, verse 1 and 2, which I'm not familiar with. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had a lodging in the wilderness, a lodging place for travelers, that I might leave my people and go from, for they're all adulterers in an assembly of treacherous men. Oh. So you've got that that paradox of just weeping for the pains of the world and being absolutely disgustable what they're into. You want to just leave this world and get out of it.
0: Yeah. Thomas Brooks said the two poles could sooner meet than the love of Christ and the love of the world. Wow. The other day I came across a video on YouTube just popped up and I don't know what it was. It was maybe one of the, one of the awards, you know, the, the awards they do CMA or whatever. I don't know, but it just, showed the world, right? Just people up on stage. I just saw it for a few seconds, but it just did flashing, you know, people in their crazy outfits and up on stage and the pride. And and I I really felt this deep disgust rise up in my heart. And as it did, it was followed by this deep sense of joy that I had that sense of disgust because that's how we should feel, you know? For someone who's of the world and comes across something like that, that's, i mean literally music to their ears right and and it's it's eye candy for them it's enjoyable again i'm not saying we can't be tempted by that but but there's something in us that should become so familiar with jesus and god's ways and god's holiness and god's word and the tenor of it that the world begins to disgust us and we just realize that everything about that is diametrically opposed to who my God is. Mm. Like the Proverbs talk about, you know, that haughty look that's an abomination in God's sight. You know, that the, the pursuit of the flesh as people revel in their wickedness. Again, we know we're sinful, wicked, capable of it. But, but again, it's that, like you mentioned, Mark, that the flesh and the spirit warring against one another, that part of us that the new man that's been awakened and made alive should hate the things of the world.
1: John Bunyan nailed it when he called it vanity fear. Yeah. Absolute superficial waste of time
0: chasing it's the is wind. crazy that there's a magazine by that name. Yeah, yeah. Is and he it's the one that coined so that phrase?
2: anti-conservative. What's that? Is he the one that coined that phrase?
0: I think John so. Bunyan. I mean, That's I would, I would I think that. that that magazine probably would be point. named after that as a, you know. Yeah, yeah how
2: interesting. John 17, three, I'm, I'm thinking here, what is the alternative? Cause we get enraptured by uh, the things of this world that ultimately unravel our joy. In John 17, three, now this is eternal life. Okay, so that should peak our ears as opposed to what the world has to offer. Now, this is eternal life. What? That they know, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How can we push back against falling into these snares by better knowing who God is, by committing our heart, mind, and soul to understanding, to knowing, not just understanding, but to knowing. And I think so often we take the discipleship process of knowing God and we condense it down into, well, that's what I do Sundays for one hour at church. But to know God is to immerse yourself in God. J.I. Packer says in knowing God, man, this one hit me. I've been reading this, rereading this book again. One of the best books ever. Uh, You know, I actually can't figure out if I've read it before or not. I thought I read it when I first became a Christian but I'm reading it right now. I'm in chapter five and I'm like, man, this all feels like brand new to me. So I don't know if I did or not, but anyway. It's a must. This was from two days ago. Churchmen who look at God, so to speak, through the wrong end of the telescope so reducing him to pygmy proportions cannot hope to end up as more than pygmy christians ooh <laughs> and that's what we do in the process of knowing god we turn our knowledge of god into just memorizing like the bumper sticker bible verses into going to church for 1 hour and that's it that's our process and we cannot be anything else but pygmy christians as J.F. packer says we it i do oh. apologize to pygmy <laughs> <laughs> sorry
0: about that to all my pygmy listeners out there i apologize Spurgeon said, the Christian is the most contented man in the world, but he is the least contented with the world. He is like a traveler in an inn, perfectly satisfied with the inn and its accommodation, considering it as an inn, but putting quite out of all consideration the idea of making it his home. Mm. That sums it up really for us as believers. We we can enjoy the things in the world that God created. Like we have to remember that this is God's world, right? He made it. He gave us the faculties and the features, the senses through which we can enjoy it. But integration is the key. I remember learning that in Bible college that it really blew my mind. Growing up Catholic, there was this sense of sort of compartmentalization. God has these slots of my life and these times and, and these, you know, postures or whatever. But then I remember my professor saying, look, as Christians, we're to integrate God into every aspect of our lives. God has something to say about politics and about finances and about leisure and about friendships and on and on. And coffee. No, definitely not. Yeah, Hebrews. Coffee. <laughs> thank you, Mark, what, thank you. What, what were the grounds for you to say that, Mark? Yeah. <laughs> My love for Oscar. Mm. What's your grind with coffee? Yeah. <laughs> coffee um, with there's nothing cream? wrong
1: with building bigger bonds as long as we're rich towards God. Mm. Remember Jesus said, you fall tonight, your soul is required of you. So is he who loves this world, this is paraphrased, but it's not rich towards God. So I think the key—I think Oscar hit on it—is just to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and all that stuff just gets thrown to
2: the side. When you talked about building bigger barns, I thought you were going to make an argument for your chicken coop.
0: I actually <laughs> thought I thought someone was going to bring that Tonight, up. Your souls required of you, Ray
1: Comfort. As long as I finish the finish it beforehand.
0: <laughs> okay, but guys, look, I, I want to talk about something that can oftentimes be extremely controversial, but we need to talk about it. I think it's impossible to avoid worldliness while you are immersing yourself in the things that the world is constantly peddling. I mean, when when Christians are watching godless movies with irredeemable themes and wicked content and blasphemy of the name of our God and, just foul despicable language and they're doing this, you know, indiscriminately they're listening to music that is full of foul worldly themes that's constantly peddling the ways of the world. How, how are we going to really be unspotted from the world? Like James says, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. It is controversial because we have the the liberty to do things as Christians. This is Romans 14, yep. happy is he that condemns not himself and that thing, which he allows and I shouldn't condemn my brother, but You don't need to put your head down a sewer to know that it stinks. A lot of these movies are absolutely filthy and disgusting and blasphemous. And lots of things are pure and of good report. Think on these things and not the things of the world.
3: You know, it's so true. We we have a, and I think you do as well, uh, VidAngel. There's also uh, ClearPlay out there where you can eliminate a lot of different things. And Laura and I were watching a comedy uh, the other day. And I thought, man, these comedians are hilarious. Let, let's put it on. And we lasted like two, three minutes into the comedy. Even though everything is removed, we're thinking, wh- why are we giving our souls over to this amount of time of watching this movie? This isn't something we would ordinarily watch. And now we're watching it because we put it on Clearplay or uh, Angel. We need to be careful because we can rationalize anything inside this world as we walk from day to day. Mm. Be careful That's all we, we need to walk Circumspectly Inside mm. this world Well we, we've got Sorry Oscar
1: um, We've got something That previous generations Didn't have We can have the world Come into our homes On a highway yeah. Through our social media And television It just comes bursting through Which previous generations Didn't have They can Keep apart keep from the world Without having what we've got
2: yeah. This just happened to Kelly and I the other day. We used to watch this show and both of us really enjoyed it. And then we stopped watching it for a couple of seasons. And it was like, oh, let's let's pick it back up again. And so episode one of a new season, we're like two thirds of the way into it. And we're like, I think we're done. I think we're good here. Listen, I I don't want to sound like a legalist where we apply man's law to people to try to get them to not adopt, assimilate into cultural narratives. There is a freedom in Christ that we have in regards to how we go about interacting with the world around us. Here's ultimately what it comes down to is strengthening your discernment. Having a discernible understanding of what is going to be corruptible for yourself and the people around you. And I I heard one time somebody talk about discernment as though developing taste buds. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) No, but seriously, they actually, this is, they used wine. I'm going to use coffee because it's more relatable to me. But whenever you're learning something new, the more you get into it, the more you start understanding the flavor. You start distinguishing the difference between good and bad. You start noticing the details in those things. And I think as we do not conform to the patterns of this world, but allow our minds to be transformed or allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, which can only happen through God's word then we are equipped to have discernment. Then we know when we're sitting down, we're watching something that's entertainment when it turns a corner and goes, yeah, this isn't, I'm good. We're gonna turn this off yeah. now, right? That can only happen with a discernible mind that is immersed in God's word.
1: And also you need your spouse's encouragement to agree that if some movie's absorbing and got grip of you, that to turn it off is something bad comes to good. encourage each other to do so. Because usually when you're watching a movie, it, it ends up the good guy gets the girl and the bad guy gets shot. That's how they almost all end. And you just gotta say, oh, I don't care how it ends. This is more important.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, again, I, I, you nailed that Oscar, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think I, I get angry about just things that, that should be obvious to us as believers, because a lot of times what we're doing is we're setting up our children For major major downfalls, because kids are always going to take it a step further, and I think what ends up happening is we get into the whole issue of liberty to such an unhealthy degree that everything gets thrown out the window, and it's just kind of like, oh well, yeah, there's a sex scene in this, and my kids are you know seeing it. It's no big deal. It's just you know this movie's okay. And what are you talking about? Like, how can we as as parents who are raising young children give them that impression that this is okay and then our kids grow up and then they're out and they're they're fornicating and it's like what what you are, what are you doing wait what is that What's the big deal about that, right. right? I mean, we sat and we entertained ourselves with that. And we, we looked at that and we laughed. I don't know how a parent can sit in a room with their kids and there's some kind of like crazy steamy scene on TV and they just kind of sit there about, yeah, what do you do? What do you do with yourself so during that? Dee, you know, but this is done and God's name being blasphemed to no end. And people can be comfortable with that. There has to come a point where we just say, no, this is worldly, and this is displeasing in the sight of God. And I'm allowing myself to become stained by the world. It's, I, the best way to put it is desensitization. Mm. Little by little we get desensitized and then we're, we're acting like the world.
1: I don't think it's legalism. I think it's, what we're talking about is normal biblical Christianity. Yeah. We're not to uh, mix with the world, not let the world into our house and not compromise our faith. And nothing destroys a child's respect of his mom and dad uh, like hypocrisy, mm. sitting through a sex scene calling himself a Christian, reading God's word and praying with him.
0: No. Wow. I heard a pastor's son recently giving sort of a tribute to his dad. It, it was a certain uh, mark in the church's history of, of how long they'd existed. And he said, you know, he said the day that I realized my dad was the real deal, he said was when I was in my room and my dad turned on the TV and he started watching something. And then there was a, a filthy word or something on there. And he said, and my dad goes, well, that's done. And he turned it off. And he said, my dad didn't even know I was home and in my room. That's good. And that touched me so deeply. And it's like, wow, you know, let me ask you this. Would that father say, if he said, I I made a determination not to entertain wicked, filthy movies over the course of my whole life and all of it was for that moment of my son saying that and that having that impact on him. Mm. Would the father in eternity say, yeah, that was worth it? Of course. You know? L- let me take it a step further. Yeah, it was um, really good. I'm glad it's over
2: with. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, Scotty, cut his uh, mic. Uh, <laughs> cut his mic, <laughs> uh, I, I want to take it a step further though, because I think that too often we stop at, oh, well, there's no cuss words. Oh, where there's no sex thing. Oh, where there's no same sex kissing in this movie. It's safe, it's fine, our kids can watch it. But it also goes into narratives, the kind of narratives that movies tell that tend to indoctrinate us all into believing them. You know, Frozen is a prime example. I think that Frozen has a very difficult narrative to redeem. There's no cuss words. There's no sex yeah. scene. There's, you know, from, from the, if you went to, you know, Common Grace Media or whatever the website is, they would tell you it's a perfectly fine movie to watch. And yet it invites kids to rebel against authority. And so I would take it a step further with our kids. What we do is when we find a, a, a movie that's acceptable in regards to hits all the marks on, you know, there's no cussing, there's no et cetera, et cetera. Kelly and I will watch it. And we'll decide there's something redeemable about this, but there's also rejectable aspects of it too. And so we play a game with our kids. It's called find the lie. And our kids will watch a movie and they will find the lie in that movie. And Mm. so they'll be like, oh, there it is. What was the lie, son? It said that all we have to do is follow our heart, that our truest treasure is in our heart. Our kids are, you know, I think it's valuable to teach our kids, not just to stay away from the filth, but also to analyze the narratives that they involve themselves with so that they can know the distinction between a narrative that glorifies God and a narrative that's a false gospel, a lie.
0: Yeah, no, that's good, Oscar. It is important to be careful of just having that perspective. Well, oh, this doesn't have any cuss words. This doesn't have any sex scenes, it's fine. No, it, it, necessarily, it doesn't necessarily fine because of what it's preaching at you. And yeah, I agree that there are ways that too, we can teach our children discernment. That's really important as well. So Mark, what do you say to the young teenager right now who says, I love the Lord, but I listen to Eminem and uncensored version, and that's cool. And I, you know, I listen to Marilyn Manson. I just love the music and stuff. What would you say, honestly, how would you how would you exhort that young person?
3: Well, I would ask him questions, just like if my kids were to come to me and say something that I would think would be outlandish, I would say, well, what do you mean by that? And what, do you, what does it mean to love the Lord? Mm. Um, what is it about Eminem that you find uh, redemptive? Mm-hmm. Or what is it about this song that really stands out to you? I think the idea is to listen instead of always preaching at our kids. We want to get inside of their heart and their minds. We do this when we're out on the streets. When we have the ability to communicate, we want to hear what people have to say. And I think once you begin to listen uh, to the answers, then you can see that there's a deeper issue going on. It's real easy, obviously, to point out everything wrong with Eminem. And if you probe a little bit further, you can see, well, my child or that person cannot communicate very well. And what they're trying to say is maybe Eminem has a crazy ability to come up with some lyrics right on the spot. And he doesn't actually mean that he enjoys all of the foul language or everything like that. And they try to watch uh, the movie eight mile that he starred in, which I haven't seen and they had to turn it off right mm. so there's just a little bit more probing and i think we need to do that with our kids yeah we had an an incident that happened with um, one of our kids earlier yesterday and i'll just say because it's kind of hilarious in that uh, and i think it involved one of your kids as well Drama. That my, my daughter my daughter had sent a text and i think your daughter was one of them one of the persons that she sent it to saying uh, how much she can't have a relationship anymore with this boy and she went on and on and on. And then she said, oops, sorry, sent that to the wrong person, (laughs) right? Well, we have access to our kids' phones and everything. And my wife had looked through the phones, found that text and came to the conclusion, well, she must've deleted the text and you're not allowed to delete any text. We're allowed to have free access and so for like three, four hours in the morning, I told my wife, hey, just relax a little bit, let everything kind of cool down and then we'll confront our child after things go. And it was all a prank. <laughs> it was all a prank. And my daughter says, didn't you see the part that said that it was a prank? Oh, you buddy. know, you read the portion where you said how much I really like this boy, but I can't have a relationship with this boy anymore ask questions. Mm. And you have taught me this well, easy, right? If somebody's late coming into work, instead of going off on them, ask them, hey, you know, so I noticed that you were a little late, is everything okay? Mm. Give them the chance to be able to say, you know, I was in a car accident, you know, right. my, my child, you know, it was really sick this morning. Give them the out. Yeah. Because there are outs, there are legitimate things that happen inside of our lives that we're just not aware of. What do you do? Ask questions. I love that more. Can I, I want
2: to answer the question. Cause I think it's really, it's really important. What would I say to a teenager that is listening to Eminem and things of that nature? I, I would venture to guess that you are hearing of the satisfying joy that is offered in Christ and you aren't quite experiencing it for yourself. Hmm. I am venturing to guess that you read verses like his word is sweet honey to our lips, that it is good, that it brings us joy. And you're not quite experiencing that kind of sweet honey, satisfying joy that is offered to you. And I would say, is it possible that the reason why you aren't tasting the sweetness of Christ is because the taste buds of your soul are so used to tasting the filth? that you are listening to and watching it. And in that case, repentance is to turn away from those things, Mm. to cleanse your palate and to turn to Christ so that his word becomes exactly what it says it is, which is sweetness, to our soul, I would venture to guess that you're not experiencing that and it is offered to you through repentance. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. So let's wrap it up now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was great, Oscar. Yeah, I I love what you both said. We got to get to the heart. We got to get to the root. We got to guide with graciousness. And we also have to at times confront and to say, look, hey, yeah, this is what's happening after we've helped them probe and then to say, hey, throw that in the trash, <laughs> stop looking at that. This is displeasing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And young people want that kind of guidance too, but, but it has to be buttressed by those sorts of things. Buttressed, that's good I like that. Well, friends, that's the conclusion. All Ray wants to do is go to his chicken <laughs> coop. Ray, I think that's worldly. You need to repent, Ray. Do Ray, you, what's behind that, Ray? Do you get air eggs? Uh, sometimes yeah. I'm joining in your world. <laughs> We're going to do a bonus episode after this. Yeah. Break. All right. Let me close with this wonderful uh, bonus quote. episode. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Uh, this is from Lizbeth, Elizabeth380. You ever not mess up a name? Lizbeth. I always <laughs> up names, man. <laughs> Everything I heard about this podcast is true as a subject. I kept hearing that these guys were funny and solid in the faith and the truth of the Bible. Finally, one day I happened to listen to an episode and found that it's true. And I started listening during a time when I was battling intense attacks of doubt and lies coming into my head from the enemy. This was fresh water flushing out the lies with truth. Thank you so much. God bless. Oh, that's wonderful. Elizabeth, you made our day. Thank you so much. And friends, Please remember to check out the Evidence Bible. Check out Banana Man at livingwaters.com. And please continue to join us here on the Living Waters podcast. Hey,
2: podcast. He still says it, though. He can't, he can't let it go. <laughs>